Welcome to the Salt Lake Christian Center podcast. We're a network of language churches worshiping together as one. It is our prayer that this message will be a blessing and encouragement to your life. Now, join us for one of our weekly sermons. Hey, good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday night uh, service. And uh, we're up here in the office. The Marshallese are... They every year do a 21 day fast and prayer. And so they're in the auditorium tonight. I was uh, out there watching them pray. And uh, boy, we <laughs> need to pray, Amen. don't we? Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk a little bit about the news and, and uh, what's been happening and uh, try to make some biblical sense of, of uh, what's going on. And uh, I think we, I think this would be a really good time Amen. to worship <laughs> before we get into the to the politics of it. Amen. And uh, so, Loa, thanks for being here, buddy. Amen. Anytime. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your yes, Lord. Presence with us. Mm. Invite your Holy Spirit to come and just be glorified, Lord. We thank you. Yes.
so good. Yes, Lord. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so thank you for your goodness tonight and uh, Lord we we walk into this subject Lord of the political racial religious tensions that this nation is in and uh, Lord I pray that your word would give us guidance tonight and Lord we know this isn't um, new to you and this didn't surprise you Amen. Lord you you knew what was coming and you also know what you're going to bring out of it in in the church in each of us individually Lord in our church Salt Lake Christian Center in the evangelical church as a whole and in the nation Lord we know from studying revivals Lord that many of the revivals the the uh, powerful revivals around the world started in situations just like this with a church that came together and began to pray and took charge of the mission that God gave them in the first place. So Lord, as we look in your word tonight, I pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds and um, Lord, that you will help us be the church, the church that you designed, mm -hmm. in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen, amen. Well, wow, what a week. Just uh, a week ago, uh, in fact, Salo and I were here talking and and praying and the equipment didn't work. <laughs> so <laughs> so maybe that was a good thing because right. it, it was pretty raw mm -hmm. back then. And uh, some of the things that, that I had to say uh, back then may not have, have come out the way I intended them to say. So the Lord always has a, has a uh, purpose and a plan. And, and over the past week then, you know, some, well, I, you know, I started to say some of the temperature has gone down, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think it has of what's happening today and so forth. And... Uh, so let's let's talk about that for just a few minutes and then we're going to go to prayer. I'm going to have Saloa lead us in worship and as the Marshallese are praying downstairs, uh, we're going to ask you to pray with us here in, in the office and at home where you're at. Um, you know, we know that uh, the church and the body of Christ has gone through uh, political turmoil more times than you can count in the history of the church. In fact, a few minutes ago, I was looking at uh, where are they? The uh, history, the history of the church. They're here. Some. Oh, here it is, right up here. The his history of the Christian church by Schaff, and it's uh, it's eight volumes, and um, I haven't read those eight volumes, but I've read <laughs> several uh, of church history and. And, uh, you know, when uh, battles have been fought inter in 
uh, inner battles, like the political battles we're fighting right now. And the one thing that you always realize is that God isn't worried. Amen. And God isn't concerned. And the reason he's not concerned is because he knows that through his Holy Spirit and the power of his Holy Spirit, that his church will win the day. Mm. Even if they uh, destroy religious, uh, religious liberty, and very few countries have had the religious liberty that, that we enjoy in the United States of America. Even Christian countries, that would be one denomination, <clears throat> one denominational, um, but want to suppress everyone else. And so <clears throat> looking at the United States of America and understanding that, that our religious speech is threatened and, and we need to pray about that. We need to, as citizens, work towards that not happening. But I also think we need to understand that the United States of America has a, a uh, religious liberty right now and has had that very few countries have ever experienced ever. And so right. if we put that in perspective, I think some of these things need to be put in, in perspective in, in what's taking place. And I think what I would want to, and we're going to go to Romans 13 tonight and, uh, and talk about, Roman, we're, we're going to go to Romans 13 and to 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, several years ago, I did a session on Bible in the News way before the, the 2016, uh, I believe it was in 2014 or 2015, and uh, did a Bible in the News study on, on uh, civil disobedience. And, and we're going to talk some about that. But I think it's important for us to realize tonight that, that we are seeing the nature of politics and the nature of a news media that uh, that is anti-Christian, that uh, a news media that that wants to stir up strife and make sure there's strife there, and this is the nature of politics, and and so when. When all of these things start happening and all of these things start start coming together, uh, that's the nature, okay? And yes, it broke out into into violence. And uh, by the way, the violence didn't start at the Capitol last Wednesday, and you know that the violence has been going on in Minneapolis and and Portland and Seattle and and all of the racial tensions and and so forth. And, and we've been watching that and seeing that and hearing calls for defunding the police and, and, uh, and so forth. And, and so in a lot of ways, this is a natural outcropping of, of seven months of uh, allowing violence, allowing those types of things taking place, wanting to get, wanting to get rid of the police, the, police, the racial uh, tensions, and then you put on top of that a pandemic, and we're locked down, and we're, we can't go out, and when you go out you have masks on, and you put on top of that the, the virus, uh, uh, be, people being infected with the virus, and, and, uh, and dying of the virus, and on top of that, you put the economic 
the incredible economic uh, disaster that that could happen and and we haven't even seen how all of that plays out yet mm -hmm. and so you build you build all of that up and and it it, lo it looks like wow no wonder uh, no wonder this is a mess an absolute mess uh, but the first thing I want to say and then we're going to go into this remember that we are first citizens of the kingdom of God if you're a Christian your first loyalty is not to your nationality your first loyalty is to the kingdom of God the kingdom that's within you the coming kingdom of God the kingdom that is here and not yet and and your first loyalty is to that kingdom Amen. and and I think that is a very important part of of what we need to see in for the next few minutes as we go through talking about what the Bible had what the Bible has to say about it and you know um, there's always a tension and always a tension between politics and religion um, that tension has been on for a long time it wasn't so much when when America was formed because America was formed and and religious people had say and had had, had uh, the ability to pray at different institutions and so forth but uh, since then there's always been a tension between religion and why is that tension why would there be tension between political strategies and religious uh, biblical I want to say religious uh, because sometimes religion can be just as political <laughs> as political believe me been there done that and so I'm talking about biblical Christianity that there's this tension between being a citizen of a nationality a citizen whatever it is we'll talk about America a citizen of America but also a, king, a citizen of the kingdom of God and uh, several years ago Chuck Colson one of my favorite uh, theologians wrote a book called The Two Kingdoms and in that uh, book he talks about the battle between those two kingdoms and he was in the political uh, arena he was one of the one of the ones that went to prison over Watergate and uh, but he received Jesus Christ as personal Savior and so he talks about that tension between being in the kingdom of the United States of America and the kingdom of God and basically it comes down to what I've already said that being in the kingdom of God is our highest uh, our highest allegiance goes to that kingdom so if our highest allegiance goes to that kingdom then we hear Jesus using uh, uh, natural disasters or or wars or political battles and so forth that Jesus using those things to further his kingdom to talk about the kingdom that here's what the kingdom of God is going to be in the future but here's where the kingdom of God is now and listen one of the things that he emphasizes is that we're in the kingdom of God and we have hope Amen. okay say it with me we have hope yeah. 
And so, oh, thank you. <laughs> I hope you guys are saying that too. <laughs> Say, we have hope. And, and right now, what America needs, what America needs is not a kingdom conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of, 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 uh, of, of politics. What it needs is a kingdom of God standing up and saying, there is hope. There is hope. And not spreading the battle, not spreading the the meanness. Now that doesn't mean as a citizen that as a citizen of the United States of America, I have some very strong political opinions. But I'm not talking about those tonight. This isn't a this isn't a time to talk about political opinions. This is a time to talk about biblical Christianity. And Jesus says we need to be salt and light. We've talked about it for several weeks on Sunday morning. And so as part of that kingdom and the kingdom of God, let's spread hope. Amen. <laughs> okay? If you're arguing with your neighbor about politics, knock it off. <laughs> okay? <Not for> it. <laughs> I mean, uh, present Jesus Christ to, to, to that neighbor. And if you're red in the face and arguing about politics, Please don't say you attend Salt Lake Christian Center, okay? <laughs> because because that's not that's not what we should be about. What we should be about is spreading the mission of the kingdom of God Amen. is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Amen? Amen. And right now America needs it as much as anywhere. So, uh, so let's be let's be people of hope and and get and giving hope. You know, um, to to try to stave off the the uh, influence, the religious influence into politics, mm -hmm. then President Johnson, before he was president, uh, when he was in the Senate, offered an amendment that that we call the uh, the Johnson Amendment, that nonprofit organizations could not endorse a candidate. And, of course, uh, John, uh, at that time, Senator Johnson did that because he was running against a, a leader of a nonprofit organization, and so it was a pur purely political move. Uh, but that has been, uh, uh, it's not... It's not necessarily law, it's an amendment that he gave that said churches, religious institutions, cannot endorse a candidate. So over the past several years, uh, people have talked about how that, that's not right. And we have seen in this election cycle, and more, more than I have seen in my lifetime, in this election cycle, the evangelical church... Uh, and I'm talking about the evangelical church endorsing a candidate. And before that, the the liberal uh, progressive church has endorsed candidates. And and those those candidates were endorsed by those churches. But this time, uh, we watched as many in the evangelical church endorsed a candidate. And I want to tell you why that's that's difficult. And and that I as a pastor even if they told me I could endorse a candidate, would not endorse a candidate. Well, I take that back. I would endorse one candidate. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Lord of Lords, King of Kings. I would endorse Him. Listen, I am a fallible human being. 
don't endorse me, <laughs> okay? I would, uh, we don't know, so if you endorse one candidate, you're, you're endorsing this, you, uh, everything about him, and, and I have, I, I'll be honest with you, I have been grieved at this election cycle and watching um, people in the charismatic world laying their hands on Melania and, and Donald Trump and making prophecies, prophesying you are going to win and when you win this is, this is going to happen. And I want to tell you that was dangerous and you have, in my opinion, you have added to the anger in, the, in this whole situation by adding God to an equation that God says us to pray for the leaders. And, and I, I believe that, that some of that needs to be some of us leaders standing up and saying, man, I was wrong. And, and not, not saying, well, you know, he's supposed to be the candidate and he's supposed to have won. And, but if you said God told you, okay, you were wrong. And, and uh, so I've watched the church as they have this quasi-endorsement uh, of what's taking place. And now that this all happens... The reason, the reason I won't endorse a candidate, the reason that the church needs to stand away from, from the politics is because we need to be able to speak truth to power and not be attached to that power that we can't speak truth to it. And so, uh, so the, 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 here's, the, here's the interesting thing. And for those of you that are still with me and haven't turned it off yet. Uh, here's the interesting thing. Of the Roman emperors, in a thousand years of Roman history, three of the worst uh, emperors were alive during the first century with the, with the apostles and with the church just beginning, Diocletian, Caligula, and, and Nero. And they, they were, I mean, corruption, you think, uh, you think, politics, I started to say a name, I didn't want to say a name. <laughs> you think, you think Trump or Biden's corrupt, okay, I'll throw both of them in there. You think they're corrupt? They are school children compared to Caligula, Diocletian, and Nero. And yet you don't see one mention of them in the New Testament. Okay, not one minute. They don't get honorable mention in the New Testament. You know why? Because the first century church, in the light of the resurrection and in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, had one thing and one mission and only one mission, and that wasn't to get a seat at the political table. And that wasn't to be popular because of the president. And that wasn't to have the president come and stand on their podium. It, that wasn't it. They had one mission, and that mission was to share the resurrected Christ under the power of the Holy Spirit with the whole world. That was the entirety of their mission. Now, Paul did that in Caesar's household. Okay? He... He had won uh, people to the Lord in Caesar's household. And so uh, there, is, there is that somewhere, somehow, connection. And that's what God is calling us to do. Now, uh, 
So Paul writes, okay, Paul writes in Romans chapter 13, and, uh, and, and this needs to be talked about because it's, uh, this is going to be front, you know, this is going to be front and center in the kingdom of God because how do you deal with the, the corruption uh, whether Democrat or Republican, they're all corrupt, okay? Uh, so how do you deal with the corruption, okay, with Romans 13? Okay, so let, let, me, let me read it. And uh, we better get ready to pray, okay? <laughs> <laughs> let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. Now, okay, you think that's bad. Wait for this verse. For he is God's servant for your good. <laughs> Do you know that three times in the book of Isaiah, God calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant? But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. A bunch of them. And more coming. Oh, sorry, I got political. Okay. <laughs> and for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Amen. You know what the sad part is? The sad part is, is honor has no place in politics today. And I, I'm old enough to remember a day when the Speaker of the House and the President of the United States were on opposite sides of, of agendas and opposite sides of, uh, of policy and yet they could be friends. They could sit down and eat lunch and there wasn't the personal attacks that are, that are taking place. And, and, and there is no honor there's no honor anymore, and that, and that is sad. So let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil. Okay, well, I know you've, you've, uh, you've heard that long enough. Let's, let's, let's keep moving on. Okay. <laughs> now, what, so what, what comes up with that is... But what about, what about biblical principles? And they're going against biblical principles. And they're going against biblical principles. God has a plan. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, pray. Pray for the leaders that are in authority. 
that you might live, and this is paraphrased, that you might live a quiet and peaceful life. Okay? Listen. Instead of getting in these political battles, we need to pray. We need to be fasting and praying. We need to be praying, okay, that that God can intervene in this and let His kingdom be seen. Now, the... I need to take a drink of coffee from my John Wayne from my John Wayne cup. Okay, <laughs> I, I got this cup because it says right here, uh, courage is being scared to death, uh, but saddling up anyway. Boy, so I I needed some courage tonight. So I'm take a cup of coffee. Saddle up. <laughs> now there are biblical examples of civil disobedience, and there comes a time for civil disobedience. And we've had civil disobedience. Uh, we have examples of civil disobedience in the Bible when, when the leaders of the nation not only turned against God, but forced its citizens to practice ungodly practices. And we even see modern uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, is one of them that that was uh, that was martyred. We see the 19th century abolitionists who who uh, in civil disobedience went against the leaders of of, uh, of their day to re to rescue slaves. And so I'm hurrying through through this, but to say that there are times for civil disobedience. There are times when a Bible believing people not only has, should have the right, but have the duty to stand up and defy government. And let me give you some guidelines from, from, uh, from what, what that should be. We, first, we have the guideline from the biblical examples, the, the handmaids in Egypt, uh, and, and many, many other examples. But civil disobedience... And for Christians to be engaged in civil disobedience, Christians should resist a government that commands or compels evil and should work nonviolently within the laws of the land to change a government that permits evil. That's the first level of civil disobedience. The second would be civil disobedience is permitted when the government's laws or commands are in direct violation of God's laws and commands. Not some little uh, misinterpretation of something, but when a government leads this nation for us, uh, forcing us to disobey God's laws and His commands, civil disobedience is, is biblically permitted. If a Christian disobeys an evil government, unless he can flee from that government, now listen, he should accept that government's punishment for his actions. Understand that there may be punishment for civil disobedience. And that punishment, you need to understand that punishment before you do the civil disobedience and be willing to accept that. Christian, uh, number four, Christians are certainly permitted to work to install new government leaders within the laws that have been established. So, in other words, part of the civil disobedience is nonviolently and prayerfully working to change uh, 
the leadership that is an, that is an ungodly leadership within the laws and the confines. And the, I, one of my prayers for the United States of America is that the election laws survive uh, so that we don't have this the next time and that we are a nation of laws. Right now, we're not a nation of laws. We're, it's just open season, and we need to pray. But here is the prime, and I, I come back to this, and then and then uh, Saloa is going to lead us in some worship, and we're going to spend some time in prayer. Uh, Christians are commanded to pray for their leaders and for God to intervene in His time Amen. to change an ungodly path that they are pursuing. Mm -hmm. One man said it this way, sometimes we get the leaders we want and sometimes we get the leaders we need. <laughs> there might be a possibility that we need a change of leadership for the church. That God has a plan. Amen. First Timothy chapter 2, I, I said a few minutes ago, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all... Listen to the desire. The desire is that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You're screaming at people the truth. They don't believe the truth. Their eyes are closed, okay? Through, through education or upraising or whatever, they've come to believe untruth is truth. They've come to believe in a relativistic society and there's only one thing that can change that and that's not you screaming at them. There's only one thing that can change that and that is the Holy Spirit acting on their lives to open their eyes to see the truth. Lord, Hallelujah. God, we pray for our nation. Lord, we pray for our current president, President Trump. Keep him safe. We pray. Lord, I pray that I believe evangelical leaders have been able to minister to him and Melania. Lord, I pray that will produce fruit in his relationship with you. But God, we pray for him, for his peace and safety. Lord, we pray for President-elect Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. Lord, God, I pray that you will intervene in their lives, in their personal lives, Lord. Lord, I pray that somehow in the quietness of, of their, their time alone, that you would speak to them. Lord, I pray for our senators and our house. And, oh God, we need you. Lord, we need you. And Lord, I also pray tonight, Lord, for a prophetical anointing. Not a prophetical anointing that endorses a candidate, but a prophetical anointing that in the power and the spirit of the Lord and in humility, and in brokenness can speak into the lives of the powerful in our nation. Lord, we've had the fiery prophets. We need a weeping prophet. 
We need a Jeremiah. We need a Jeremiah that says, you prophesied to your own hunger. Lord, we need a Jeremiah that'll weep. Lord, I pray that we will be a Jeremiah church. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. A Jeremiah church, Lord, that weeps between the porch and the altar. That God, what is happening to our nation doesn't make us as angry as it does grieve us. And bring us to grief, Lord. And Lord, I pray that it will bring us as an evangelical church to repentance, Lord, for our part in this. For what we have not done and should have done. And what we did do and shouldn't have done. Lord, we repent. Lord, I repent as as a leader in, in an evangelical church. I repent for that church. I repent for, for us as leaders. If we've done anything, Lord, that has furthered the kingdom of darkness and not the kingdom of light and the kingdom of your uh, the kingdom of our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Lord, bring your church to fall on its feet face Amen. before God Amen. in humility. Lord, Hallelujah. where did we go wrong? Not where the Democrats went wrong. Not where the Republicans went wrong. But Lord, where did we go wrong? And what do we need to do, Lord? God, the leaders of your church have never in their lives, 40 plus years that I've done this, needed you more in, Lord, your guidance and your miraculous power than we do today. Lord, we leave this with you, God. Oh, God, make me a better Christian, Lord. Would you make me a better Christian? God, would you open my heart and my eyes and my ears to hear you? Not all of the noise of the media, not all of the noise of the political battles, but Lord, I pray that you would silence the noise in my ears and, and in the ears of our congregation, in the ears of those that are listening to me, Lord, and let us hear you, oh God. Lord, there's a storm, there's an earthquake, there's a wind, but Lord, we need a still, small voice. Hallelujah giving hope. Lord, there's people out there tonight, God, who, who because of the news and everything that's taking place have given up hope. Lord, they've just given it up. I, I don't know what we're going to do. What are we going to do? Lord, I pray that you would restore hope in you. Amen. Lord, my hope is not in Donald Trump. My hope is not in Joe Biden. My hope is not in a political person. Lord, uh, my hope is in you. Amen. Because without you, we are doomed. And so, Lord, we pray that you will. We're honoring your word tonight, Lord. And we're urging with supplications, prayers, intercessions. And, Lord, I want to close with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have let us live in the greatest nation ever in the history of the world. Lord, a nation that was built on your principles, a nation that has been feeding the world for centuries, a nation, oh Lord, that, that ha has evangelized the world for centuries. Do we have our problems? Yes, Lord. We have racism, Lord. Forgive us for the racism. Forgive us, oh God, for, for uh, 
for those attitudes, Lord, that are not your attitudes. But Lord, we thank you for giving us the privilege of living in a free country with open elections and free religious worship. Lord, there's people fighting for religious worship who haven't set foot inside of a church in years. Lord, I pray that I pray that you'll let them see the freedom of worship in their own minds and in their own hearts, Lord, and let them come and worship you, worship before your throne. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So Lord, let's sing for me. Sunday. We're open. You're welcome to come and worship with us. We have plenty of space for distancing and are following the governor's uh, uh, recommendations and we'd love to have you there. But if you're not going to be there, we'd love to have you on Facebook at uh, 1030 on Sunday morning. And I I have a message. We're, we're in a series of messages. We've talked about uh, uh, the trip into the promised land and to look forward for the promises that God's given 
and to look up because he's coming. Amen. Amen. We talked about that this Sunday. Uh, we're going to talk uh, more about that in Deuteronomy chapter 1. And we'll be talking about look out and uh, look back. And so join us uh, on Sunday morning. And God bless you. Thank you, Saloa. God bless you. For Thank being you, here. <laughs> it's always great. Amen. God is good. God bless you. Have a good evening.